Now, get ready to spend the next two hours with our three sports-loving ladies, Lauren Brooks, Taylor Dahl, and Mia O'Brien. This is Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. All right, good evening, everybody. We are uh, full into the scouting combine right now, and I am joined by Tom McManus. Tommy is joining me tonight because Lauren is on vacation. Mia is up in Indianapolis right now with uh, Frank Frangi and Hayes Carlion, kind of getting all of those interviews and all getting us all this information from the scouting combine. I am with Tommy and RJ tonight. Tommy, thanks for What's joining up, me. What's up, Taylor? As my bo- my friends in Boston would say, it's kind of weird around here at this time of night. <laughs> I'm not normally. It is here. a little different. Yeah. Even driving in from the beach, I'm like, man, there's a lot of people on the road. <laughs> I had to make a U-turn on beach and haul ass down JTB Belford all the way back around, but it gets crazy over sun here. setting, so that went too bad. It does get because usually around this time I'm leaving, and the traffic does get kind of crazy around this hour to the point yeah. where I don't live far at all, maybe like four or five miles. Right. And there's some nights where it takes me a half hour to get home just does because it, yeah. of the traffic yeah. during this time of night. People so gotta get home, man. But exciting time with the combine. Yes. You heard from Balky, heard from Coach Peterson, and you know, it's like, it's funny. Like, what did we have? Two weeks off, yeah. quote unquote. Yeah. I mean, the NFL like looking today. For information it's, it's at just, that point. It doesn't stop, and yeah. and it's great because we all want it. We actually want more. I think. Yeah. That's uh, one thing. The NFL does a really good job of their off season because yeah. you. It's, I mean, especially now, the Super Bowl is not until mid February, so you maybe right. have two weeks, and then if, you're yeah. into the combine. Yep. Next thing you know, we have free agency coming in a few weeks when we hit March, yep. and then you have. I mean, you pretty much are on full draft talk after free agency, and because you're about a month away from that, and then you get the schedule release right after free agency, yeah. and then yeah. mini camp. Uh, you know, the rookie mini camp yeah, starts. Right. I mean, it's just yeah. Then you're going. Hit the go. Yeah, you know, it was inter- I was listening to uh, Frank's uh, interview with Trent, which was great, mm-hmm. and, and Trent just talking about how it's different today. Like, you, they're coached up. Yeah. They know what they're not to say, which is, I don't know. I get both sides, I guess, you know. But uh, yeah. at the end of the day, you really do got to figure out their psyche. I think that's one of the biggest things because you'll watch them on tape. They're either a good player or not. Mm-hmm. You see them in person, you're like, wow, that kid's impressive yeah. physically. But does he have the heart? Does he have the gut? Does he have the soul yeah. and the brains to play at this uh, elite level? And what fits your team, too? Because obviously totally. different coaches, Great different call. GMs are going to see different things from these players. And when you yep. have a, a certain, which we've talked about and we will talk about a little bit more once we get into the, some of the sound, the identity is something that it sounds like they're still searching for. So that is something that probably for them, the combine is a big thing. Which way, which direction are we going? How many yep. leaders do we have on the Jags right now? Who could possibly be a leader in a couple years once you get really ramped up? And I think that that's one of the big things that are kind of underrated too when it comes to the combine. Because yes, we want to see how fast they run and we want to see how high they jump sure. and we want to see all of that. But getting to know the person has been become so important because we've also seen some of these picks not work because of that personality. The real science, and and you're dead on, Taylor. It's not just talent. It's not talent that just talent that fits your scheme. It's talent that fits your scheme, that fits your locker room, yeah. that fits your culture, that fits your identity. Because if they're if it's not there, 
It's not going to work. Yeah. It's and, just and we, not going to work. You got to have got. You know, and, and I'll go back. Sorry to cut you off. Um, Dan Campbell, mm-hmm. the Lions win their division. The, the division yep. brings in the GM. He's like three years ago. The first thing we said: What kind of player yep. do we want? Not who's our QB. Mm-hmm. What kind of no? What kind of player do yep. we want on this team? Is he going to be tough? Is he going to be physical? Is he going to be prepared? Is he going to do whatever it takes to to, to become a winner? Mm-hmm. And that's the kind of guy we want. And, and if that's- you stick to that. That's a, and that's the success that we've seen from the teams, not the teams that have those one-off seasons like we've seen here in Jacksonville. Yeah. You want to build consistency. You want to build a team that we're talking about winning for the next 5, 10, 15 years, not like, hey, we can do this for two seasons and then the locker room explodes like we saw back in 2017. No you doubt. don't want to get back to that You're point. Right. Uh, Tommy, before it, because a ton of stuff from Doug and Trent today, and I want to get to a ton of it uh, and get your opinion and uh, some of your thoughts on that. But I did want to start about this, and we were chatting about it just before we, we started, um, because we hear now, once we get to the Combine, some of these guys will not – Throw, for example, quarterbacks will say, yeah, they're not participating. They'll do the interview portion, not do the other portion. They're waiting for their pro day, whatever the situations may be. Several like Drake May and Caleb Williams have both said they were not are not going to throw at the combine. What are your thoughts on on that? The guys that decide not to throw on uh, during the combine? You know, I I can understand Caleb Mm because he's number one and they already know how he can throw. Uh, I can kind of understand Daniels because. I know Drake Mace in some people's minds may be ahead of him, but you kind of know what Daniels can bring to the table. Mm-hmm. Uh, the others should all throw. And I think, I mean, Drake May, I don't think he's throwing. I'm like, man, dude, you should throw. Mm-hmm. Here's my thing. Look, I wasn't that fast. Mm-hmm. If I was fast, I'd like, be let like, let me show you. I, I will run, <laughs> I'll run myself to the combine just to run a damn 40 and show you. I run a 4-5. Yeah, watch. I'm going to show you how I run a 4-5 at 240 and how freaking awesome that is. Yeah. I was never that anywhere near that. So for me personally, I'd want to throw. I kind of get it. Mm-hmm. But look, at the end of the day, you also have your pro day yeah. and a good team. They're going to evaluate what you do at the combine against guys you're not used to throwing. Yep, that's what it's un—it's not scripted. Pro days are scripted. Yeah, and in it's, your environment, all yeah, your coaches, all, all, your, all your people, players, it's yeah. all your guys. So it's yeah. scripted. So you got to yeah, the good teams will weigh them both and mm-hmm. find that balance somewhere in the middle. Yeah, you know, but you have to do that. And that's the one thing that sticks out with me. I get, like you said, Caleb Williams. He's kind of like I'm first. I'm I'm yeah. hearing I'm going to be drafted first. Guys like Drake May could use this opportunity. Drake May, Jaden Daniels, even Michael Penix, yep. JJ McCarthy. Those guys could use this opportunity to show that in these situations, they you know like ask me what to do and I can do it. Yeah. And this could maybe up them into a spot that they Without weren't right now. Yeah. Um, all right, Tommy, let's get into some of this sound. We'll ha- we'll listen to one before uh, we go to break, and then we'll we'll talk to Mia a little bit and then dive heavy into a lot of this stuff. The first one I want to talk about, which I think is one of the biggest ones from today, uh, is from the podium with Doug Peterson and on how he feels about the current offensive line room. The addition of Ezra, you know, we thought was going to be that, that left guard. If you think about it, Cam, Ezra, Luke, Brandon, and Ton – played one game together last game of the regular season right so we've had that kind of revolving door on the left side you know we and it, it for whatever reason injury performance whatever it might be and you know cam the suspension and then the injury late in the season so he missed eight games we didn't have consistency we didn't have continuity 
and, and that affects five guys up front, right? And so that's where we have to get back to. We've got to get back to a little more consistency there. But we can also help them as coaches and, and prepare them better. Um, and I know we will starting this offseason. Look, Tommy, there's a few things I took out of this. Number one, yes, consistency is so important, especially I feel like when it comes to the offensive line yeah. because these guys, you, when you, the more you work together, obviously the more comfortable you are working together, the, the better you can play in sync in certain situations. And we Cohesion. Saw, yes, when you start becoming cohesive, yes. And I, and I think and that's with each other, all five of you, in addition to with your quarterback and Trevor Lawrence obviously here. But it's also, to me – Kind of sounds like they like the offensive line, and it doesn't sound like there is too many changes that they feel like they need to make, which I think a lot of other people may disagree with. Yeah, you know, there's a lot. Look, I mean, look, he's right. I like. It's interesting he mentioned Ezra in the five because he came in like late in the late, year, so yeah. it wasn't like you drafted him or brought him in, but you did trade for him, so that's a good thing. And I like Ezra Cleveland. I want to see what he can do. I mean, you know, look, part of it is. You can't you, publicly. You I'm can't, sensing some frustration. You can't talk down about your guys. I mean, what do you expect <laughs> no. them to say? Like you sucks. know what, Ford really stunk it up this year, yeah. and we're going to replace him. Mm -hmm. I mean, they're not going to say that. And he's in his third year, and they like his athleticism, and they're thinking, man, if he just gets a little bit stronger, yeah, a little bit more physical, maybe he's the guy because they do like that he can pull. Yeah, you have to pull as a center in Doug Peterson's offense. At least that's what the history shows. So yeah. they like that. You know, look, I mean. I don't know. Walker Little, it cams out. Walker Little, right? We should mm -hmm. miss a beat. Here's, here's the bottom line. And you can say injuries and some of it's valid. I'm not saying it's not. Yeah. But when you look at the offensive line as a whole, from 2022 to 2023, they gave up like 13 more sacks, and they were a yard less yards per carry. Mm-hmm. So someone's getting their ass kicked up front. <laughs> yes. I don't care who's injured, who's not injured, yeah. whatever. So if you think you can just go, let's not make the mistake like we did last year. What was it? No, we got we got our guys. We're good. Yeah. We don't need to really add that much. That's a, that's let's false not do bravado. That. <laughs> that's false bravado. That yeah. is not accurate. You're not living in reality there. I'm not saying you need an overhaul. Yeah. But you need at least give me give me a, a guard, give me a center that's gonna you know, maybe push Fortner. We have to realize this, so too, Taylor. Look, Trent Balke picked Fortner. He picked Walker Little. He picked – he wants him to work out. Yeah. It makes him better. It makes him mm -hmm. look better. His track record's better. He yeah. wants Strange to turn into something that nobody sees. You mm -hmm. know, he wants Bigsby to be the – back whether he's right or wrong it yeah. remains to be seen those but are his guys and of course because like his he, guys yeah and especially in a situation like him where you know he's seen he saw the clown suits and all of that stuff yeah. a couple seasons yeah, ago yeah. he knows how much people talk about the the negative side of this and that's why I think and rightfully so he is so adamant about a lot of his picks that maybe other people aren't yeah. but I, I also think like in this situation with Doug for example I just think that, yes, there has to be a little bit of something where he's not going to call his players out and be yep. like, Luke Fortner sucked, we have to find another center. He's never going to say that. No. But I do think at some point you have to address that the line wasn't good and right. you were honestly probably bottom three in the NFL when it comes to your line as a whole last season, and there has to be some sort of adjustments made. I thought it was interesting when uh, uh, Balky months ago mentioned Anton playing left. Like he could, mm -hmm. We believe he could play left yeah, and yeah. we feel like he could play left. To me – 
you know, look, I, I've I've really liked Cam, and I still do, yeah. and I love his tenacity. And I, I when he's healthy and on, he's a, a very good left tackle, and you can win with him all day long. The problem is he he gets hurt, and he's getting yeah. up there in age, and maybe it's yeah. time to make that switch. And look, there's some right tackles, some big big dudes in the draft uh, that you that are going to be sitting there at 17. Do you make that move? I don't know if they're bold enough to make that move because I know Cam's got one more year. I don't know if they're going to keep Cam at that number. Mm-hmm. They're going to have to figure that out because it's a pretty high number. Um, but I don't know. Maybe it's time to move on. And and and, and look, like with Sheriff, like Brand- I think Brandon's beat up. I mm-hmm. just think he's Definitely. been around forever. He's had a great career. Um, you know, is he going to be healthy all year? And I don't mean missing games. I mean healthy enough to move people yeah. and do the job. And, and then Fortner, you know, look, I don't know. Get him on the uh, the uh, the Alex Rodriguez regiment <laughs> or something. I don't know. Get him jacked up somehow. That didn't so work well for Cam. <laughs> yeah, that's why he wasn't here. But um, they're not. My point time. is, they're guys. They're not gonna. They're not gonna publicly. Yeah. Put their guys shame them. All right, uh, Tommy, let's go ahead. Let's take a quick break. Then we're going to come back on the other side, talk to Mia O'Brien a little bit and what she may have taken away from some of the from Doug and Trent today. We'll do that next on Helmets and Heels Driven by Tire Outlet. Helmets and Heels Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers and First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Welcome back in. Taylor Dahl joined by Tom McManus and RJ Saunders tonight as we continue on a, a lot of a lot of stuff today to take in from Doug Peterson and Trent Baalke from the, scout, uh, the Scouting Combine. And uh, just about two months away from the NFL draft now, so there's a lot of things that the Jags still have to figure out themselves. There's a lot of stuff that we now are getting into the phase, and it's pre-free agency. So once free agency hits and you see what they do there, things can shift. But right now, this yep. is pre-free agency. What are we thinking? What are we feeling? And the same for the Jags. Right now, we are joined by Mia O'Brien. She is up in Indianapolis, I'm guessing, having a absolutely crazy day. Mia, how you doing up there? I'm doing great. I'm walking under, I think it's an overpass. It may be a railroad. I promise I'm not lost. We're, uh, we're headed to the, the women of the combine dinner slash happy hour. So, and I'm with other Jaguars people. We're good. We're safe. Everything is fine. But I think I just hit my second wind, Taylor. I'm not going to lie. Stepped out into the, into the night 68 degree breeze. And all of a sudden I have new light running on four hours of sleep. I like the sound of it, Mia, though. Women in the industry and happy hour. Those are two things that I feel yeah, like I can relate to. Uh, let's go ahead. A lot of stuff to take in from today, Mia. And one of the things that kind of registered to me is something we actually chatted about last week on Helmets and Heels. Um, and just because kind of we are going off of Ryan Nielsen's scheme when he was talking about what he felt was fitting and what he likes to do defensively. And we a lot of people were saying, hey, like this really connects the Jaguars to that corner position at 17. And that was already something there was a little bit of chatter about. After that uh, press conference, we felt like it was even more. And then now today, I feel like ta- hearing from Doug and uh, Balky again, it really sounds like that's a position that they really want to add another one too to bulk up what the Jags defense is doing right now so is that something that stuck out with you today too when it comes to what Trent and Doug were saying yes for those who follow 10 NXL on our various social channels I just posted my quick hits um the dream of offensive line at 17 is dead mm-hmm. I say that I say that because I'm hoping that I fix it and it's not dead um because I do think you could get really good corner value in the second and third round and I think Trent Bulky knows that 
Um, especially because when I asked him the question with regards to the third corner, knowing that Trey Herndon is a pending free agent, and so who, if you were to line up today, would be that nickel corner, you can find some great nickel corners in that second or third round, whether it be Mike Samerstrill out of Michigan, even a guy like Chris Abrams-Draney out of uh, Missouri, who has inside-outside versatility, I believe. Maybe not as athletic as his counterpart, Enos, or Enos, my bad, Enos Rakestraw out of Missouri. I'm telling you, I'm on four hours of sleep, folks. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think that we can certainly check off the list, Taylor. Somewhere between rounds one through and one through three, the Jaguars will be selecting a corner in some capacity. Hey, me, I hope you get that uh, martini, like you said, on the espresso <laughs> martini as fast as you can. You deserve it. I know you've been working really hard up there. I was kind of surprised. I'm not surprised because what else are they going to say? But, man, the same offensive line, that would really disappoint me going into 2024. Do you think it's real or what do you think is going to be some changes on that so old line this year? Yeah. So, Tommy, I actually kind of bought I, – I bought what they were selling – before some of the current iteration of what came out today. So let me explain. I believe the world in which if you tinkered with the current offensive line, you would have success. If you were able to insert a alpha dog, if you may, at that guard position, a young alpha dog to go opposite, even if you kept the veteran Brandon Scherf and created that nasty, that physicality that Trent Bulky has said he's been craving and that identity that this team needs, you could create a bona fide offensive line that not only Trevor Lawrence would be protected, but Travis Etienne could run behind. What I didn't see coming is the possibility of both Cam Robinson and Brandon Scherf being kept and not being kept casualties. Mm-hmm. I thought for sure one of them would be a goner. It doesn't sound like that after today's conversations with Trent Bulgy and Doug Peterson. It, it sounds like, by all accounts, Cam is the identity that this team really wants the offensive line to take on. Yeah, which I feel like a lot of people would – enjoy that because that's one of the players when you talk about what the type the type of vibe the type of uh, energy you want on your offensive line cam's yeah. the name that most people when associate healthy. yes when healthy, when healthy. um and at, um able to play yep. but uh mia another thing i mean i think there was a lot of tough questions asked for both of them and and Tommy alluded to it of, you know, like how much can they actually say? How much honesty can you get out of it? And I feel like obviously they're not going to come out and bash any player or any certain situation, but you can at certain points kind of read the room and read uh, certain scenarios with it. And there was a lot of stuff they talked about when it comes to the offensive line, when it comes to Press Taylor's play calling. Um, they even talked about the collapse at the end of the season and what Trevor needs to improve on. All of these things are things that they addressed today. Um, so what was the overall vibe from the two of them? Them today when it comes to where they feel like they are right now and really on the way to figuring out the type of identity that the Jags are? Yeah, I actually corrected one of our listeners on X, um, and hopefully I didn't offend them, saying that it came off as Doug was disinterested and Trent was bored and rigid. I couldn't disagree with that sentiment more. I thought both were very engaged. Uh, I got a smile from Trent, which is huge, um, for, at least for me. Um, and Doug and I were talking about golf. So, no, mm-hmm. I thought, if, if anything, I thought this was the most loose, the most, hey, you know what? Last season didn't go like we expected it to. We are ready to use that as a spinning that narrative in order to propel us into the future. We are unified. We're on the same page. The reason we interviewed our the new staff members together was because we want to show that unity. I came away pretty impressed by both of them. And if you check out the one-on-ones Frank Frangie did with both of them um, on XL Primetime and on the Frangie show, I think you'll feel the same. I mean, 
I looked at Frank filming the interview and said that was easily one of the most transparent interviews I've ever heard Trent Falky give in his three-plus years in Jacksonville. Mia, how about the defensive line? What, how do you feel about that? Are they going to add to the interior? Obviously, they got a lot of guys under some money. Is Foley Fadakasi going to be here? You know, what, what are they saying about the interior defensive line? Yeah, there really wasn't a ton of talk of it. I can tell you this, Tommy. They are obviously very optimistic and hopeful that Devon Hamilton will return to the form we saw him in last training camp. No one, and I repeat, no one, and I've corrected many people on this, could have seen the infection that he suffered to his back and everything that transpired after that. I mean, he, he was literally the epitome of perfect health, and it just happened. It's a freak accident. And so they're optimistic he'll be able to get back to form, and obviously that would be – he would therefore be – at the uh, the core at the at the heart of that interior defensive mm-hmm. line and be a very critical piece. There's a reason that they paid him the way they did so kindly last off season. And so, um, really, not a ton of talk of it. So when I say the dream of offensive line at 17 is dead, when I say it's corner or bust at 17, the one caveat, and we'll get more insight into this tomorrow because the defensive linemen are up first in terms of the prospects that'll be speaking in Indianapolis this week. The one caveat I have: if Byron Murphy is there. Yeah. Do you pass on him? Mm-hmm. Because here's the thing. Beast. He creates yeah. not only he creates not only even more of a wall of Duval on the defensive front. He's mm-hmm. great in run defense, but he also could create that pressure in the pocket, in the interior of the pocket that this team has so craved for so long. You finally, it appears, have figured out your outside linebacker situation with Trayvon Walker and Josh Allen. And so the fact that you, you still are trying to create some sort of push from the interior, that's a guy who I know Coach Campo has raved about. He's talked to a lot of people at UT, and, and he said he's a guy who you plug and you play. And when we heard Ryan Nielsen introduced last week, like I just came away from it. The number one word, I know so many people came away from that feeling like the number one word was press, and not press Taylor, press corner. <laughs> I came away with it. The number one word for me from Ryan Nielsen was attack. Mm-hmm. And you need to be attacking from all 11 positions on the defensive front. And the Jags really don't have that player on the interior that attacks and gets after a quarterback. And so I think a Byron Murphy may change their, their thoughts and their plans about corner at 17. But, hey, we'll find out more as the week progresses here in Indianapolis. Yeah, I mean, I think that will that would be an interesting one sitting there. And I, I same for me. The, the word attack and the word aggressiveness was one of the words he used probably a hundred times during that. And I think that's something that I guess you can relate to both sides of the line. But when we talk about the collapse of the defense late in the season, that's some of the things that you really point out to. Um, but again, I w- I'll let you get up to this uh, women in the industry and enjoy your happy hour. Thanks for hopping on with us. And I know you guys have a crazy week. Thanks for uh, doing all this. And I'm sure we'll be chatting tomorrow. Absolutely. Yes. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed the reason that I need to start running again. We're walking up like a slight incline up the streets <laughs> of Indianapolis and I'm out of breath. Maybe we're just going to blame that on all the coffee and the lack of sleep too. I promise I'm in better shape than that. Looking forward to catching up with you guys throughout Thanks. the duration of the week. Thanks, Mia. Chat with you later. It's funny because when you are up north, you forget how flat Florida is. Until oh, yeah. You're yeah. No Every time I go back to Chicago by the end of the day, my legs yeah. are just burning from having to like walk up and yeah. down inclines yeah. all day long. Yeah, there, there, there's some of that. I mean, look, they, for, as far as the defense, they thought Hamilton was going to be that. They yep. thought Foley was going to be that. Mm-hmm. For whatever reason, they weren't that. Yeah. I, I look at training camp. I don't know. He, you know, I know everyone raved about him in training camp, but I, 
I think we've learned that training camp here in Jacksonville really doesn't mean anything. Yeah. Well, and especially. Because we were raving about this team like they were a Super Bowl team. And they look great. Don't get me wrong. They did. Yeah. I, I bought into it, too. I'm like, wow, they okay. do look really good. Well, especially but how training camp is now, too. Like the yeah. the lack of what they actually do out on the field and the amount of days where they are actually putting on pads and going through, yeah. you know, full motion of everything rather than just drills. Um, and I think that has a lot to do with a lot of it. I think that has a lot to do with how people, how some of the players by the end of the season are mega bagged up and they can't, they they need yeah. more conditioning and all of these things start to pile on. It's a long season now. Yep, no doubt. Um, all right, let, let's hit break again. I want to get into several more of the uh, some of the sound from Doug Peterson. So let's do that on the other side on Helmets and Heels driven by Tire Outlet. Light up the body, who said they saw me? Crown on by Molly, wrist on your body. Sports with a glass of Chardonnay. Helmets and heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Well, that one said sports with a little bit of Chardonnay, but I'm, tell me back, what is, what's your drink? What's your go-to drink? Uh, well, you know, surprisingly, you, uh, during the week, I like Pinot Grigio. Okay. Yeah, on the rocks. Not on the rocks. I throw a couple cubes in there. Yeah, I just drink to it chill out it. of like a, 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 shot, you know, like a rock glass. Just taking shots. I'm not a big beer. No, not shots. No, but like, like a rock yeah, glass. Yeah, yeah. You know, I sip on it. Yeah. I was just thinking, like, when I heard that, I laughed because I'm like, Normally around this time, I'm sipping <laughs> on something and cooking and hanging out with the family, you know, doing something. But instead, you're here with me. And, yeah, uh, and no, no, nothing to drink <laughs> other than water, but that's all right. We can make it. If we you're just tuning in, Taylor Dahl here tonight with Tom McManus and RJ Saunders. We are in the building here in Jacksonville as Mia is up at the Combine in Indianapolis. Lauren is on vacation, uh, so Tommy Mack t- uh, subbing in with me. I'm honored. We are honored. Full on into the scouting combine, and we're going to listen to some more Doug stuff. We just talked to Mia a little bit about the vibe she's getting. It seems like Trent and Doug seemed like they – it was a very positive vibe, a, a very confident vibe, a very we're excited to build this vibe, not a frustration type of thing, yep. which we've seen in previous years, so that's good. Um but I do – so one of the clips that stuck out to me today, and obviously we've talked a ton about the offensive line and what we think about that. He did go more into depth about Luke Fortner. Maybe we'll get into that. But one another one is Press Taylor's play calling, which uh, drew a lot of criticism this last yeah. season. And uh, when you go back to the year before, what we kept hearing was that Press Taylor was calling plays in the second half of games that previous year, and those yeah. were when they were coming back, and that's when yeah. they made all those comebacks. So people were like, okay, where's the issue this last season? So uh, let's go ahead, and this one is uh, Doug. He did a scrum with just kind of our local media, and in yeah. this one he talked about Press Taylor's play calling. It's high. It really is high. I mean, you look, okay, we were a top 10 passing offense, okay? Press call plays. Now, we were a bottom third or three teams running the football. Press call plays. Um, we had a lot of injuries, okay? We, we, our left side of our offensive line, there was inconsistency there. You know, we lost Christian, we lost Zay. Um, you know, like I said, Cam, all that kind of stuff. So some of that is not the play caller. Some of that is just by circumstance. So um, another situation where maybe it seems like, and, and I've heard both Frank and Mia talking about this before, during, like right before we hit crosstalk, and they had very different opinions. 
Mia kind of feels like this is them saying there has to be some sort of change because obviously certain parts of it weren't working. We talked about how much the run game struggled. Frank more so felt like, yeah, there's some issues, but I like what press is doing. How did how did you what did you take from that? Well, first of all, I get this feeling the whole offseason is going to be a theme of injuries. <laughs> I know. I, I thought the Here same we go. thing. We were injured, and I know as if every other injuries. team wasn't injured in the entire league. It, right. <laughs> I mean, it's valid. I mean, look, they're a passing offense first. When yeah. the passing offense doesn't work, the running offense yeah. isn't going to work. It's not – that's how they're built. They're built to pass first, loosen you up, yep. then use their athletic lineman to get in your way and confuse you and have ETN hit it up there or outside and, and get yards. It worked a year ago. Yep. It didn't. It was working for a little bit this year. Then they figured it out. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I, 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 you know, I mean, look, I, I do believe in, and I've always believed in this because it's true, you know, your offensive, your passing offense, you got to have a true number one. You got to have a possession type. You got to have, uh, you know, a, a slot. And you got to have a tight end that can make plays down the field like that, especially today. And you got to have a back out of the backfield that can make plays or line up in the slot or whatever, just be a part of the, the passing game. So when they do have Ridley healthy and Zay healthy and Kirk healthy and Ingram there and he – yeah, they they can be a, a pretty formidable offense, mm-hmm. but that's not always the case. And just because one or two break down doesn't yeah. mean the whole thing's got to go south. So it starts with the QB without a, without question. He's got to be on point. He, look, we all love Trevor. I love yeah. Trevor. I love every physical tool. I love how he stands up there, and he's a tough kid, and I love how he represents our city, our team, our organization. But his his ball, he throws it, it's got to be better. The placement's yeah. got to be better. And it's not all him. Don't get me wrong. But, look, if you got to go from one to two to three, and by – time you get to one and a half someone's you know ear hole in you because yeah. your line can't hold up you're not going to be very effective uh so they do they got a lot of fixing to do yeah. up front in the play calling but it's back to your question about press taylor i said this during the year i said because look every coordinator offensive defense they draw up a play if everybody does their job the mm-hmm. way i draw it up as it should work yeah. right mm-hmm. now what are the negatives on press, in my opinion? He gets too cute when you got something going. Like, you don't have – don't give me the end of round when you just made two nice passes yeah. for first downs. You know what I'm saying? Like, enough of the, gosh, the <laughs> bubble screens. Uh, you know, there were like five and a half screens. one game. I'm like, <laughs> what are you doing? Like, that is not – now, are you trying to make that an extension of your run game? Well, it's not working. Yeah, so definitely figure not. figure something else out. Because the run game's not working. But if uh, outside of that, if they execute on just 50% of those mm-hmm. plays called, Taylor, yeah. we wouldn't be complaining about Press Taylor. Yeah. I know in today's world we want to blame. We won't mm-hmm. blame our players. No, yeah. it can't be the players. But we'll blame you know the GM, the coach, and whatnot. And sometimes you're right, and sometimes you're not right. Yeah. You know? It, it'll be really interesting to me what Doug does because he does – he he did say – uh, which we'll listen to this cut and get into that in just a second, what he possibly thinks about taking play calling over. But a couple of the things that popped out to me in that one, Tommy, was when it talks about wide receiver injuries. Christian Kirk played 12 weeks. It's not like Christian Kirk missed the majority of the season. Okay. So to Fair. me, that's a weird – because I felt like even early in the season, uh, there was many times where I was very vocal about, like, this isn't the offense I thought it was going to be. 
and that was when they were still winning games, but there were still a lot Odyssey. of mistakes. Yes, it Dude, wasn't. Odyssey. It felt like it was never no clicking. Rhythm. So I kept saying, like, okay, Calvin's new to this offense. They're still trying to, like, kind of figure everybody in and, and how to scheme it and how to really work this offense. You were seeing Calvin in the wrong place. I thought it was all because it was early. The problem is it got worse. Throughout the throughout season. The year. And when you thought it, w- it should have got more in sync by the end of the season when maybe they were at the level where they should have been when they were, when we're talking about on the same, uh, when they're on the same page, when you're talking about the playbook, yep. then you lose Christian Kirk. Zay Jones beat up all season. But to me, for 12 of the weeks, you had Calvin Ridley, you had Christian Kirk, and you had Evan Ingram. Um, oh, by the way, Jamal Agnew comes back later. Yep. You still have Travis Etienne, who should be a big part of your offense, but for some reason they weren't able yeah. to really work that out. And I know some of that's on the offensive line. How much of that is on Press Taylor? And I think that's where a lot of these questions come. But it's so hard for me to constantly make these excuses of the wide receiver injuries when the majority of the year you had you were you were at strength with your wide receivers. He had Ridley. Yeah. And although he was screwing up at times. Maybe he was lost making, a little he was making, But he was making plays. Yeah. Gave you a thousand yards. yards. Yeah. Uh eight touchdowns. Uh, Parker Washington is supposed to be the same as Christian Kirk. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he, he he had some good plays. Yep. He had some bad Especially plays. Especially down the stretch, we were yeah. seeing some things from Parker. Yeah, yeah, he was doing all right. He dropped a couple that he shouldn't have dropped, but so did others, yeah. many, many others. Mm-hmm. You know, Zay Jones goes down. You put Elijah Cooks in there, but Trevor never looks at him. Yeah. And then once he does and the kid drops it, so that doesn't help the situation out. You yep. know, so, look, injuries happen. They happen, but you know what? You can't say my quarterback got killed all year because of injuries. Mm-hmm. Your quarterback got killed all year because your old line regressed yeah. as a whole. And by the way, your right side wasn't damaged. Your mm-hmm. center to your right tackle, they they weren't damaged. I th- I do think Sheriff's damaged a little bit, but yeah. we'll see if he can get healthy. So, you know, look again, and then and then you you're single back on third and one in a shotgun like. <laughs> A former middle linebacker, I'm like, this is like the easiest formation to stop a yeah. run. If you're going to try to run, you're dead. There's enough, You're, you're going to get killed because there's no lead blocker. There's no beef. There's no nothing. Yeah. And it was easy to read. So, And that's, that's Tommy, where it comes in, where it's interesting with press because the, in the situational football, they weren't able to over, overcome that. You talked about how early – they were able, the offense seemed like it was going to be working and that kind of fell off quick. And, the, you know, so teams started to figure out what the Jacks could do good and they started yep. shutting down certain aspects. And when they tried to alter that, they got too cute. Yep. Mistakes started happening. People were in the wrong spot. That's fine for a couple of weeks. That's not fine in week 16, 17 of yep. an NFL season. It, it's just not okay. And, and for the record, Press does have to call better plays. I'm yeah. not saying that, yeah, but yeah. I don't think it's all his fault mm-hmm. if they would execute it's definitely a, a little bit better. There's a combination. Yeah. There's, there's, they, they're in the, in the bottom half of the league, too, when it comes to third-down conversions, and that's something, and especially short-yardage yeah, third-down conversions. And those are the moments that are most frustrating because when you need one, two, three yards and you have the amount of weapons that you did, you have a big guy like Trevor Lawrence, You ha- and that's when I think some people were the most critical of Press Taylor. Yeah. Well, how about, you know, too, like you see other teams do it. I mean, Brady and the Pats made a living out of it. When it was third and five, they, they did a little five-and-out yard. Yeah. Pass, yeah. you know what I mean. Like mm-hmm. you find out who's one on one, who who's going to get you the first down, run the right route, make sure you're in the right spot. 
You know, I think they I think but look, I think the receivers, I think Trev, they all got to get on the same page. It's it's a timing thing, man. Yeah. You you're thrown to a spot. You're not mm-hmm. thrown to the guy. You are when things break down, but not when they don't break down. It's all timing, man. Mm-hmm. You got to put that ball in the right spot and that receiver's got to be at that spot yeah. at the right time. The problem is when you see things go, you know, not the way we want them to like picks and whatnot, you don't know whose fault it is. Yeah. Is the QB throwing it to the right spot? Mm-hmm. Or is or it, you know, is in the wrong spot? Or is it, you know, is a yeah. guy running the wrong route? You just, at this point, it's And then sometimes it's just a full-on good play by the defensive back. Yeah, and yeah, totally. you, you have, you know, you, yeah. you give them a nods for that. So this was uh, Doug Peterson's response when somebody did ask if he could be potentially taking over the play calling. You know, I think those are things that, that I need to, you know, uh, consider, you know, uh, this offseason, this spring. Um you know, there were things out of my control that I had to deal with more, you know, in the last last year. Um, it takes you away from, from some of that stuff, and I'm not going to get into those. But, you know, so, yeah, it's something that I have to, as part of the evaluation process, and I have to evaluate, you know, myself and, and impress as, as decision makers and play callers and, and see what's best for our team. So, very open-ended response to me but I do think that it sounds like he he's acknowledging that there were issues um and he did say even in the clip before that hey as mu- as good as the passing offense was they sh- they were in the bottom half in the run and then here hey there's thing I'm doing so many things maybe getting maybe adding Ryan Nielsen and not having to focus so much on a defense is able to let Doug Peterson maybe have a little bit more say in the offense but how does something like that work if a if a head coach Tommy does feel like he needs to be the one playing, uh, calling plays, when does he make that decision to do it? Is it better to do it now and start working that way or snatch it away from press if it doesn't work to start no, the season? No, I, I mean, if you're going to do it, you, you should do it now. Yeah. You know, so you got the whole off season, you know, to to uh, to to work on it. I, I don't know. You know, I mean, it, that's a tough question for, for talk. Yeah, I know. You know what I mean? I'd be I like, I don't, I don't, I'm not going to answer that. I don't know. It's kind of strange. Like, you know, what are you going to do with – with press, you know, look again. If if he feels that adamant that he should take over the place, then he should take over the place. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's, and I don't know what. Look, I'm I've never been a coach, so I, I can't sit here and say that I know what's going on. But obviously, he's got a lot of game management going on during the game. But yeah. I mean, you're right there. You hear the play call. Can't mm-hmm. you just be like, I don't like not, that. No, not that one. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I said go for it. Yeah. You know, I said blit. I said. Take a shot. I, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. I, I I, think I would be like that. Like, let them do their thing. But, like, Every you know, like after a turnover in. at the 50, yeah. take a shot. Yeah. Why aren't we taking a shot? Like, you know, you do hear the play call. You would think. But, look, again, I've never been a head coach. Yeah. I'm sure there's a ton going on. Uh, I don't know what that meant about what he was saying. Like, you know, so that was, like, the defense and whatnot. I do know this. Uh, one thing I like about Ryan Nielsen, Taylor, is it sounds like he's a no-nonsense, mm-hmm. do-your-job, accountability, run it the way I tell you to run it, give great effort, and you're, we're not going to have a problem. Yeah. And I think that's kind of the opposite of the way Doug does things. And I think it's going to be a nice marriage. I think this team needs a little bit of that. Yeah. It's not always, hey, 
we're going to get okay, better. Yeah. Take care. No. Don't worry. We'll no, figure it no, out. No, and then no, you're not no. 17 weeks into the season. You need that no, guy who's right. a little more pushy. And I think I think that is the type of personality he is. Speaking of that, um, because, Tommy, one of the things that you and I talked about a lot when we uh, did the kickoff show and then yeah. again when we uh, sat in for the drill was the physicality of the team and how lacking it was, I guess, more uh, to say that. Um, so Doug did speak on that. And how do you become – a more physical team, and how do they start building that? It's hard, I think, in today's game because you, you don't put the pads on in the spring, right? You only have certain things you do in training camp and all that, but it, it's a mindset, and you got to just keep talking about it every single day. You got to put your players in those positions every single day in camp, and and you know um, you just got to drill it. And I think that's the only way to really um, you know focus on creating an edge and creating that physicality uh, that you want. I think a part of this is something we talked about earlier, Tommy, which was the drafting those guys and how important this week is for that because yeah. I think you can see maybe or get the the physical side of people when you are having that conversation because you, you get that sense if someone's an aggressive or a more like sit back and listen. You can kind of get those type of things, but it's – when you're not able to do full-on practices, how do you build that? And it seems like he's not sure either. Doug does not run a physical practice. Yeah. They run around a lot, so yeah. it's a conditioning practice. Mm-hmm. There's no doubt. They run a lot of plays. I like the way he maximizes the time. And he's right. There's not a whole lot of time. But they could be more physical at practice. Okay. I went down to camp just like you did. It was the last day of camp that they got they got physical. Mm-hmm. And so my, my point is this. Now, you do have a – a, a fine line. You don't want guys getting hurt. Yeah. But you can thud. Thud means you you wrap up, you hit, you physically get after each other. You don't take anyone to the ground. You don't full on tag. You could spend one period a day thudding. Yeah. Because that'll get, at least it. Look, we're creatures of habit. Mm-hmm. To sit there and say, yeah, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm just gonna do it because I. Be, you know, I don't do it during the week, yeah. but on Sunday, the switch is going to go. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I think you've got to instill a more physical, you know, aspect of your practices. Look, I, uh, Jimmy Miller and Pat Kerwin, they're on uh, the Sirius Radio, friends mm-hmm. of mine. They're at camp. I come there. They're like, wow, is this how camp is? And I'm like, yeah. And they're like, man, do you know Pittsburgh's like in pads every practice? And they're not full speed, but they're pretty much. Yeah. I said, well, he doesn't do it. I don't know, right? But I think there's something to it. And I'm not saying you got to do that every practice. Yeah. But, man, you, you're only going to be physical. Because I don't – look, are you telling me right now that just take the starting O-line to start the line They're not physical? Mm-hmm. If Roy Robinson Harrison had in front of me and I said, you know, you're not physical, he'd be like, I'm going to put you through the wall. <laughs> Like Woody, I'll show you how physical. Yeah. I they all have that because yeah. they're they're they've done it their whole life. Mm-hmm. We, we're all competitive. We all like what you're challenging my physical. Like I know I can be physical, yeah. but if I'm not, fi- my coach doesn't demand physicality. I'm not gonna demand it of myself, mm-hmm. so to speak. Does that make sense? I yeah. think Nielsen will bring that. I yeah. do. And I'm glad that Doug brought that kind of guy in that's going to – because all I read about him is you better have thick skin. Mm-hmm. He's intense, and he's a great teacher, and I think that's what's needed in our team, yeah. especially on defense. So I think they got the guys that can be physical. Yeah. but They just need it pushed out of them a little bit. Or maybe – you know, you know what? Where does the identity come from? Mm-hmm. Your head coach mm-hmm. – your head coach is a finesse type yeah. offensive play call. He's not a physical type coach. Yeah. It's just not 
can he change it is the question. Which, look, Doug knows that, and that's probably a major reason when he, at the end of the season, when he went back and looked at the issues uh, that started especially late in the season when it comes to the defense, he was like, this isn't my specialty. I need to bring a guy who can make this defense take that next step in the in the physicality but, level and the aggressive level and the attack level, all of those things when it comes to the defensive side of the ball. But a couple of years ago, he also said, like, the nose tackle wasn't that important. Do you yeah. remember that? He yeah. was like, Doug, why aren't you bringing in some beef. You need mm-hmm. some beef. Like, ah, yeah. I'm going to outscore him. I think that was his mentality. Yeah. It's an offensive-minded coach who thinks what? What do I have to do? I have to outscore. Mm-hmm. If my defense bends but doesn't break, you know, they come up with some plays, but otherwise they're giving up points, but my offense can outscore them, yeah. we win. Yeah. That's my philosophy. It's not, hey, man, let's be road graders. Let's be really physical on defense. You know, have that swag yeah. and, and bring it every game. Which, honestly, everybody last season, I remember the offseason during camp, that's what everyone kept saying because there was a lot of concern of not bringing in a pass rusher and maybe not having this defense that was one of the better defenses in the league. And everyone kept being like, it's fine. They'll score 35, 40 points. And then what happened when they weren't doing that? Everything kind of fell apart towards we the did, end of the season. We, we were, <laughs> for the record, to all the audience out there, people on this, all the media on the side, like, man, we're going to score like 40 points. I mean, we did. We're like, you're looking at it. everybody going, wow, this yeah. is incredible. They're going to be incredible. And then, you know, the real Just world happens. <laughs> then the fantasy Then you over actually get on the football It's field. not happening. Yeah. And like you said, even when they were eight and three, the offense was. It's funny you said that because I remember right around week five, my wife, because we watch all the games and she's sitting there, she's like, you know, why do when we watch other teams, like the really good teams like mm-hmm. Kansas City Ball, they just kind of hum down yeah. the field. And it looks we easy. kind of go chink, 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 yeah. chink, chink, chink. It, t- it took some, no like, rhythm. incredible big plays every now and then for them to drive. To you drive, never felt right. like there was this consistency of, okay, oh, they'll score when they're out on the field. Right. Other teams, obviously, Kansas City, and with Joe Burrow when he's healthy, sure. obviously, on the football field. Yep. Even, even Philly, when – they were kind of in their stride of a, of a good offense. Yeah. Obviously, the Bills. It just seems easy. You're watching it, and you pretty much expect them to score every time they're on the when they're on the right. field offensively. And right. it didn't feel like that ever consistently. There were quarters of it. There were halves of it. Right. There was never a good full call. four quarters for me to where I was like, they "This is what the offense." Enough. Yeah, but that's what Doug wants yep. out of this football. I agree. Uh, so next, we will get into a little bit of Trent Baalke. He also spoke. So we'll listen to some of that on the other side on Helmets and Heels, driven by Tyre Outlet. You're listening to Helmets and Heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Welcome back in. If you were just joining us, Taylor Dahl here, joined by Tom McManus and RJ Saunders tonight. And uh, just for people, uh, we have been playing a lot of the sound from Doug Peterson so far tonight. I want to get into Trent Baalke in this segment, but if you are looking for it, you can find it in multiple places. It's on the one-on-one that Frank did with Trent and Doug, both on YouTube. Uh, if you were looking for the podium version, that would just be on jaguars.com. You can find uh, that on their t- YouTube or their page. And then we are also in the process right now of putting Frank's one-on-ones up on our website too. So if you're looking for those full interviews, they will be up momentarily on the website, but they are up right now on YouTube. Uh, the, like I said, the Frank one-on-ones. The Scrum and uh, Scrum actually is on YouTube also. So if you want to listen to that one, that's the one he just did kind of with the local media. Yep. I do feel like he was a little more... 
open and honest with that one, but I do feel like because he knew he was talking to Jacksonville people, uh, yeah. the podium one I felt was a little more generic and basic because he was talking to the entirety, uh, all of the people that are there for the NFL as a whole. But, Tommy, let's get over to some of this Trent Baalke presser. He obviously spoke today, too, at the scouting, the scouting combine. Frank Hayes and Mia up there. So they got some personal interviews with, the, with yep. both of them, but – uh, Trent, I think, is somebody who obviously has been criticized for almost the entirety he's been here in Jacksonville. Uh, there's a lot of questions of some of the choices he's made and uh, decisions that he's had to make, uh, things like that. So it was a lot of stuff today uh, from him also that I think stood out to me. One of the things that I want to get to first is, in general, uh, a big question mark right here in Jacksonville, and that's when it comes to Calvin Ridley. Uh, What are they going to do with Calvin Ridley? How aggressive are they in uh, when it comes to making a decision on a contract with him? The big thing, uh, the second and third pick. And because if they do it before free agency, it's going to be a second. If they do it after free agency, it's going to be a third. Uh, Will Calvin Calvin Ridley even make it? I mean, I, I truly believe that if they don't and they let him test free agency, there's going to be some teams willing to give him a decent amount of money. Um, I think it's best for Calvin to stay here, and we'll get to that. But a couple clips I want to hear. They talk about that that pick, that second and third pick, and what's the difference of making that decision based on having to give up one of those picks. And then, in addition, they talked about uh, Trent talked about a recent meeting he's had with Calvin. Well, we're not real concerned with that, whether it's a second or a third round. We're just going to work with the player and see if we can come to an agreement. When whether that's before that. compensation changes or not that that remains to be seen but we're more focused on the player we've got a lot of work to do this offseason you know I had a meeting with Kelvin uh, the other day in my office I had a great talk with Kelvin know exactly where he's at and, and he knows where we're at so we're just going to continue to work with all these players and try to come to some some form of compromise some form of resolution as as the weeks go on it's interesting Compromise, to me. They're like definitely, it. to me, you can't say there's not a difference in giving a second and third. There has to be some sort of evaluation of what you think is worth it. Um, if you think that Calvin Ridley is a difference maker on the Jaguars and that he will take a big leap and be a, a big part of the offense next season, then that second is hands down worth it, and you should be talking about a contract right now. Well, I mean, Tank Bigsby was the second-round pick mm-hmm. last year. Yeah. Brenton Strange. Not round. all second-round picks, seen, I guess. You know yeah. what I'm just saying? Like, yeah. You know, I, I cannot understand what he's saying. I The word compromise kind of stood out, and I get it. Because think about, like, what, what do you think Calvin's representation is saying? Like, yeah. Cal, think about this. T. Higgins is going back to Cincy. Mm-hmm. He's already tagged. Tagged, yeah. Uh, Mike Evans is probably going to go back to Tampa mm-hmm. on, a, on a nice deal. Yep. Well, who's left? Yeah. It's Hollywood Brown. Michael Pittman. And Michael Pittman and mm-hmm. you. And yeah. you're probably one, if not one A. So you're oh, probably going to command ridiculous amounts of money. So yeah. the question is, will the Jags pay that? Mm-hmm. Or will they pay close it enough to it and sell him on the fact that, look, we're team on, on the rise. Mm-hmm. You're our guy. Trevor likes you. You like Trevor. Yeah. You know, there's other factors, there's state tax, you know, all that, where we live, all that stuff. But, you know, look, you only play so long in the NFL. Yeah. And I know a lot of people are like, well, maybe he'll stay here if he takes. Look, I'm not going to blame the guy if he goes, chases all the money he wants, because mm-hmm. he has every right to do that, especially him who's been out for a year and a half prior yeah. to this year. I want him back. I think he's a true number one. And I was hard on him during the year because I knew, I knew early 
I could see that he was not knowing what he was doing. Yeah. I could see. I remember when I remember Kirk running by him on a on a motion and him looking back at Kirk and Kirk's like, like yelling at him doing? like, how do you not know this stuff? Like, <laughs> yeah. what's wrong with like? You just could tell that he was out. But with that being said, mm-hmm. thousand yards, yeah. eight touchdowns. Yeah, he's got to catch the ball better. He's mm-hmm. got to run routes better. Trevor's got to be better going to him. It's mm-hmm. not all all on Calvin. But I'll take that with the upside. Now yeah. they just got to figure out the money. Yeah. Um. Am I overpaying him? I. No. I it, there's got to be a limit. You know, yeah. there's got to be like, hey, Cal, this is as high as I'm going to go. Mm-hmm. If you can make this work, we would love to have you. I don't know. Throwing a house, yeah. throwing a mansion on the water. Yeah. I don't care. Give him a yacht. Give him a boat. Give him something. <laughs> Throw extras in there. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, and then he's just got to make a decision. Like, mm-hmm. quality of life's big. You know, young QB. Yep. Got to. You like your coach? They like you. They're gonna get you the ball. Mm-hmm. I mean, the thing about free agency is like you don't know where you're gonna go. You know, you go to the highest bidder, great, but I don't know. What if you go to Oakland? <laughs> You know what I mean? What if you go to a team that yeah. the quarterback's not that impressive and is not going to get you the ball? Yeah. They're not going to force you the ball like they do here. You know what I mean? There's something and, to that. And that's a big thing. I think there's there's something on each side for me because for Calvin, I think that as much as, yes, you are looking at a contract, you want to make money, you're getting a little older, you missed a couple years in the NFL, injury and then suspension. That's Yeah, you're, you've lost some time. And so – you now have come to a team where, yes, there were struggles, and people are seeing that. So uh, they had seen that this last season. But do you really want to go to another offense, learn another offense, learn another quarterback? And like you just said, what if, what if that's another rookie quarterback who is also learning their way into the NFL? Right. What if they don't know who their quarterback's going to be and there's a quarterback right. competition and you have multiple that now you're trying to Chicago figure out? Chicago may pay him a ton of money. Yeah. But what if Caleb Williams is a QB and you got to figure that out? Yeah, Maybe now you great. have a rookie Maybe quarterback. Maybe he's not great. Yeah. Maybe he struggles. Who knows? And so that, to me, is something he personally has to think about is I know now year two in this offense, year two with Doug, year two with Press, year two with Trevor, year two with Christian and Evan, and you have a year two with this playbook. All of those things will make you, number one, more comfortable. You're going to get more yards. You're going to get more touchdowns. You would expect him to do better next season. You would expect, I was expecting it earlier last year didn't really happen uh but you would think now a whole offseason with this playbook with this offense and now after the season so I think that's something he does have to figure when he is deciding where he wants to go but on the Jaguars side of things I I'm not guaranteed that if they wait until free agent hits that he somebody isn't going to say there's a, a lot of teams with a lot more money than the Jags have that are like here's a check let us know what you want because we desperately need a wide yeah. receiver too well i think that, and that's where the negotiate the compromise is going to be hey yeah. cal we're going to let you hit free agency but you know our deal and he agrees to it maybe prior to yeah and then they 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 ink it after so they they he does the team a solid and mm-hmm. they don't have to give up a second and it's a third but here here's another okay so say you don't keep him yeah how are you replacing you don't have a number one. You need a number one. Mm-hmm. If you want Kirk to thrive, you need a number one. Let yep. me tell you right now, Christian Kirk's a phenomenal slot receiver. He's phenomenal when he gets one-on-one matchups and he can take a nickel to town or a linebacker yeah. or a safety. If he doesn't get that, he's not as effective. Yeah. So you need a number. So Then then you're just hoping you hit on one in the draft. Oh, you change your draft. Now, yeah. now at 17, maybe you are going to force a, yeah. a wide receiver pick. You mm-hmm. know, it, it really depends. So to me, look, you know, an old friend, <laughs> an old friend of mine when I was single, 
He used to tell me, hey, Burton Hand is better than two in the bush. You know <laughs> what I mean? And uh, he was right. Yeah. He was right. And it, it's right here. Like, you look at Calvin. I look, and, and again, you got to hone him up. Like, you got you to gotta tighten him up. Yeah. But I'll take the upside. And I would hate for him to go to a team and they get the upside. Yeah. Because you took a chance on him. You took a gamble. The gamble was not just for one year, mm-hmm. not just to get eight touchdowns out of the young man, no. to see if he had something, and if he does, to keep him for your young QB that needs all the weapons he can get. Definitely. Yeah, and I think that, like you said, that's both sides have these decisions to make now, and I, I do think it is going to come down to you don't want to overpay, but it's going to have to be something that Calvin's like, okay, I will – uh, this amount is good for me in addition to coming back to an offense where I'm comfortable. You're going to have to pay him close to what he would get out in the market. Definitely. Yep. Uh, I do. Let's. We I have th- to hit break, but I want to get a couple more into those Trent Balky. There's a few more clips that I want to play there. So let's hit break. And on the other side, we will hear more from Trent from the Scouting Combine. I'm Taylor Dahl here with Tom McManus tonight and RJ Saunders on Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Helmets and Heels, driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Good evening, everybody. If you are just tuning in, Taylor Dahl here, joined by Tom McManus and RJ Saunders. Tonight, Mia O'Brien is up in Indianapolis uh, for the Scouting Combine. Lauren is on vacation, so Tommy's sitting in with me tonight to talk about all of this fun stuff we've been hearing from Doug and Trent all day. And uh, there's a a lot to take from it. And obviously, we're hearing these things, and we can overanalyze every sentence that is said because that's the time. This is that time of season, that time of year where we do it. Um, but there are a lot of things that the Jacks have to figure out, Tommy, and this comes with the offensive line. Is the offensive line what they want to roll with next season? Um, do they feel like they need to fix that interior? Uh, and whether that is a center, whether that's some of the guards, do they want to move Anton? That's just a little tiny portion of the things they have to figure out this season. And we were just talking about this, the importance of this season for Trevor Lawrence and the Jaguars, because yep. if you do – fix this offensive line, let's say you add a center, the offensive line takes a big step up, whatever they end up doing to fix it to where they do move into a top half offensive line next season, you give him another weapon, whether that is keeping Calvin here, uh, whether somehow if they don't keep Calvin and they end up taking Brian Thomas at 17 or, or yep. something like that, you give him another weapon and the the excuses start to run out next season of certain aspects of what we have said with Trevor. And we know there were drops. We know there, the play calling wasn't the best at certain times. We know the offensive line wasn't very good. But we also know Trevor fumbled the ball a, a good amount of times a and lot. in crucial situations. Yep. We also know that there were certain situational times where Trevor, and he, we even came out towards the end of the season, where he changed the plays and ended up not working out yep. in their favor. Yep. Um, so some of this also is on Trevor Lawrence. So if you do fix all of these things on the offense and the the excuses kind of get shaded away, this is a very important season of figuring out what Trevor Lawrence, where his ceiling is when it comes yeah. to moving forward and if the Jags can win a Super Bowl with him. Well, I know there there's a contingent of people out there that think, you know, he can't do anything wrong. You should pay him now. He's our guy forever. I'm not in that camp. I'm not down on him because physically he's got everything. And, mm-hmm. and most importantly, which I love the most, is he's tough as nails. Mm-hmm. I mean, you cannot uh, 
you cannot deny, deny that Trevor is one of the toughest players at that position. He, he'll do whatever it takes. He takes hits. He plays hurt. Uh, he's got all the physical tools. But with that being said, we're going into his fourth year. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I don't expect him to light it on fire, but it's been okay. Yeah. Some has been great. That's mm-hmm. the thing about Trevor. Like, you've seen glimpses where, like, holy cow, yeah. this kid. It's there. This kid is unbelievable. Yeah. Puts the ball on the money, you know, makes a play with his legs, throws on the run, does the right. You know, he'll, he'll, he's got it in him. There's mm-hmm. no doubt. Um, but it's inconsistent. Yeah. So you got to be consistent in the league at that position at least more times than not in order for your team to win. Yeah. Um, again, I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm looking at Trevor, number one. Mm-hmm. He's got to do it. He's got to work on his game. He's got to hone some things. He misses too many guys that are open. Yeah. I'm sorry. He'll make great throws. He'll miss easy throws. Yeah. Some of He'll them also, sail sometimes. And sail that's, yeah. off time. Even his completions can be off. Mm-hmm. Uh, his field management isn't the best. You know, he doesn't see everything that he should see. Um, you know, he's got work to do. Yeah. But I like him. Yeah. But this year, yeah. I mean, look, if he doesn't. I mean, it all depends on how the year goes. Yeah. But if there's a if, lot of things that factor into that, obviously. Totally. Yeah. But you may have to look for the future if, you know, it's not a good year. Yeah. I don't think it will. I think it'll be a good year for him. I do. I think I want to believe that they've learned their lesson, Taylor, because I do think, and I, I, don't, I'm not, I don't know about Trevor included, but I think as a team, I think their head got in the clouds. I, I don't think they prepared as much as they had to. I don't think they did the extra stuff that it takes. It's it's not a job like you said. It's your life. life like yeah, you go party in the off season. Now, granted, I I party, <laughs> but I wasn't a quarterback. I was a meathead linebacker. All I do is hit people. Um, but no, like especially as a QB, like yeah. you got to live it, man. You you don't you're not going out. You're not you're not. There's no social hour. Mm-hmm. You're like your your job, your livelihood is the NFL quarterback of yeah. a franchise. So, um, but I I'm not just saying him. But I think as a team, yeah. You know, you well, look at what did you see what um. Uh, Jalen Hurts said about last year, he's like, you know, I, all this stuff yeah. kind of distracted him. Yeah. It can happen. It does. And, and it that's happens. what, when you go back, Tommy, to the point where they were eight and three, and I remember specifically a, an interview, I, I want to say once it, once they moved to eight and four and there was an interview with Calvin Ridley, it was one of the locker room scrums and he made a comment of kind of like, relax, we're eight and four. Like, oh, and I'm like, okay, well you haven't been playing too good. We can have a little bit of worry when, number one, you haven't even the first, your eight wins, some of them were a little iffy of how you should have won. defense carried you <laughs> yes. to the eight wins for the record. Yes. It wasn't the offense for no. the most part. It was the defense. So I get it, like when you have a record like that, but you got too comfortable. And there was a lot of moments where you felt like during that time, there were still improvements to make on the offense. There were still improvements to make yeah. on the defense. There was a lot of things that still needed to be worked on. And the fact that they were just kind of like, we're good. We're eight and three. Don't worry. I didn't like that. Right. Okay. So that was San Fran. Yes. San Fran came in here. We were on the field. Us old guys yeah. were on the field for alumni weekend. Mm-hmm. San Fran was ready to rock. They they was a it was a rumble for them. Yeah. You didn't match them at all. Their yeah. physicality. They knocked you around. And they like lost. You didn't they just even, lost three straight. So they came in there like right. we are and not you, losing you this football game. You didn't even belong with no. them. 
I, I've said it plenty of times. I'll say it again. That's the blueprint for beating the 2023 Jags is smacking them in the mouth because mm-hmm. they don't respond. Again, back to the lack of physicality. Yep. Um, and then you had coaches. Mike Caldwell said, oh, well, what did you tell your defense after that shellacking against San Fran? I told them that wasn't us. That was a bunch of imposters. And you're like, what? Yeah. What do you mean? You told them that? Yeah. You didn't actually tell them that, really. You <laughs> might have thought that, you, but you wouldn't tell them that. Because what does that do? That gives them a trap door to be like, eh, that wasn't me. Yeah. Missed the te- yeah, it wasn't me. You know, missed yeah. an assignment, wasn't me. That was just an Normal, off game. Yeah, we're fine. Just, yeah, we're fine. Nothing extra cool, to work on here. But guess what? It wasn't good. And yeah. you got worse and worse and worse yep. as the year went on. Which I want to, that was one of the things that Trent talked about. I want to get to that cut. He talks about that late season collapse. Well, I think anytime you finish the way you finish, you, there's disappointment. You know, we, yeah, we were eight and three at one point. We finished nine and eight, so we won one more game down the stretch. So it was a disappointment. I don't think anybody you talk to in our organization would argue differently. Uh, extremely disappointed, but focused. You know, we have we've, we have a clear understanding of what we need to do, and uh, fr- from a from an organizational standpoint, it's never one thing. You know, you can't just point to one thing and say, that's why we, we finished the way we finished. There's multiple things, tentacles that stretch into different areas of the, of the organization, and we all have to own it. You know, no, no one better to own than me. You know, when, when I look at this thing, extremely disappointed where we, where we were at, where we finished, uh, but motivated to fix it. I would personally like everybody to own it, Tommy. Yeah. But, yeah, and I think it does start at the top. And like you just mentioned, when coaches are telling you, that's not us. It's fine, guys. When players are in the locker room yep. saying, uh, it, we're good. Don't worry. There's not right. extra thing, like anything extra but we Doug need to do. Doug kind of says that too, Taylor. Maybe mm-hmm. not in those words, but he's always like, it's a teaching moment. Yeah, yeah. We'll work this out. And and your players will take you know take to that. Again, I'll go. I, I think Ryan Nielsen will, will counteract that. Yeah. And, and they need that. Look, guys want to win. Mm-hmm. They know they can't just show up. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, the league's too good. Yeah. You've got to put in the time. You've got to put in the effort. You're not good when you get killed 34 to 3. No. You're not good at all. You know what? You should be in full pads yeah. at next practice, banging the heck out of each other and figuring out how I'm going to be physical next time a team comes in here. You can't just show you can't just show up. And I think they felt like they could. So um, you know, again, I'm I'm hearing all the right things. Yeah. It's great. You know, I mean, I don't know what else they're going to say, but it, it's good. It's good to hear them at least be transparent to as, as best as they can be. This is um, this is probably one of the more transparent I've felt like I've heard Trent be. Uh, and this is with the presser he did and with the one-on-one with Frank. Very open about a lot of things, and I feel like normally it's a, a very more generic here's my line that I have to stay in type of answers. And you got a little bit, not saying he went crazy and was giving us everything we needed to know, but it was a little bit more like he knows people want to, they need to hear a little bit more right now to kind of settle things because the way the season ended was just, you can't win one football game in the end of a season and expect people to not have some sort of response to that. No, absolutely. And then look, you could fall back. They could, the organization say, well, we're nine and eight, two years in a row. Yeah, it could be worse. Yeah. Could be. You're and that's right. what they said a couple times. We have two winning seasons back to back. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and that sounds to me. Year. No, I don't think it was a very disappointing year. I don't agree with Trent saying every year is a disappointment. No, no. When you win, 
Look, I even know if CJ he gets Stroud, to the playoffs and lose, it's getting to the playoffs is a big deal. So not only were your expectations that your offense was going to be this high flying 35, 40 point offense, but you also were in preseason saying that you had one of the easiest divisions to win because there was a rookie quarterback yeah. in CJ Stroud and Anthony Richardson, and there were all of these teams yeah. had so many things to figure it out. And yes, CJ Stroud had probably a really, really good rookie season, but it also was a time that you could have, you should have fully embraced that chance and, hey, win 10-11 games and you would have yep. won the division, not talking about losing your final game to the Tennessee Titans and being knocked out. Yeah, and again, you know, it was, uh, you know, the, the the hype was there. I think they believed in it. Yeah. You know, they talked about it themselves. And that's again, good. can't <laughs> – that's walk why the, this year at camp, I'm not getting that excited. Like, talk, I don't care what I talk, see. I'm not. Yeah. I'm going to talk about it, right? Tommy's going to be like, like they look good. I but... don't care. It's practice. Practice. I'm going to go Allen Iverson <laughs> on them every single time. That's Take practice. It don't mean anything. Let's see what they do in a real, real game, game against real competition at the right at the, the real speed. Take it with a grain uh, of salt. But I do this hope year. they learned that. Like, Me too. You can instill some physicality into your team during training camp. You're right. You're not in shells in the off season. You're not. You can't be that physical because guys can get hurt without having any protection on their head and their shoulders and whatnot. But you get in the pads, I hope you learned a lesson, and I hope you have at least one period where it's a physical period. One a day is not going to hurt your guys. Guys get hurt all over the place. Yep. Injuries, I'm talking. You yeah. can get hurt walking. You can get hurt running off the sideline I know. in and the, the Super, Super Bowl. Bowl. <laughs> I know. How awful Poor is guy. that? Poor guy. You know, in his prime, the, in Greenlaw. But, yep. you know, so I, I think that maybe that's the lesson learned. Hey, guys. Oh. Let's go back to work. Let's go back to what made us, you know, what we were. Mm -hmm. And let's get back to being a physical. Because one thing you can't, you can't take away from, I don't care what level we're talking about. The, the, the more physical team normally wins. Yeah. Unless you get lucky and you're just so fast that you can't, they can't catch you. But nor, that's not the case when you're, you're playing the same kind of talent. The team that imposes that physicality, that wins the line of sc- I know we talk about fantasy, the, yeah. the throws, all the. By the way, top 10 offense in what? Yards? Yards don't matter. I don't I, care I hate about that yards. Too. I, they, people use that too much. To I don't me. know how. What's he talking about? 21 touchdowns. You're not a top offense if you're. Third not, down was terrible. <laughs> you were yeah. one of the worst in the league. You yeah. can't. You're not a top offense. That's fine. Throw for 4,000 yards, but you're not winning a football game unless you score. Yards don't mean anything. No. I don't care about yards. I, I want to care about wins and touchdowns and, you know, third down percentage and things like that. Mm-hmm. But. Um, anyway, I, maybe that's the lesson that they, they, they've got to learn. Hey, look, you know, different than Philly. What do you think Sirianni's got to do with that team? He's got to get them down to the bare bones basics. Like you guys haven't done beep yet. And we're going to have to go back to the drawing board and work on this thing. Yeah. They went from a defense that had 70 sacks to like almost half that last season. And yeah, that's a lot of things to figure out. Big dudes getting pushed around. Jordan Davis pushed around. You're like, what? Something's not right. There's something not right inside that locker room. Uh, Tommy, so Tommy and RJ, I guess this is for, because normally on this is that time of year where we have the Players' Championships coming up. We normally have Miranda on every night with us leading up to the Players' Championship to kind of chat about some of the things. She's not here tonight because she's covering one of the tournaments, but 
we do have a giveaway uh, for right. the Players' Championship. So we have two Tuesday tickets, which is one of the, the practice round, and to the concert, uh, which is Cole Swindell, and oh. a $25 gift card. So um, the, I guess we'll do – let's do caller 4, RJ, at 641-1010. We'll win that. Nice. And then on the other side, we'll talk a little bit more Jaguars as we get to our final segment. <laughs> Sports with a glass of Chardonnay. Helmets and heels. Driven by Tire Outlet. Brought to you by Underwood Jewelers. And First Coast Lighting and Fans on 1010XL. Welcome back. Final segment here. I'll let this play out a little bit. I know RJ likes his music. I know RJ likes to vibe out to his music when he can, so I figured I'd let that one play a little bit. Uh, final segment here on Helmets and Heels tonight. Taylor Dahl, Tom McManus, RJ Saunders, as Mia is in Indianapolis for the scouting combine and Lauren's on vacation. We've talked a whole lot about what Doug and Trent uh, have said today at the scouting combine and, you know, our feelings, Tommy, towards where we think the Jags are at now and where we think the Jags are headed and what needs to happen. And that leads to... The whole point of the scouting scouting combine, obviously, is who you're going to draft. Yep. And uh, positionally wise, um, and that's when you come to, they come to the questions of, you know, is it is it going to be best player available? Is it going to be by need? Those are questions that I think arise every year, and especially what pick they are at. Uh, yep. Jags 17 when it comes to that first round pick. And so I think from what we've heard in the last couple weeks when it comes from Ryan Nielsen and now Doug and Trent today, it does seem like, the offensive line is not their major focus right now. It does seem like they want that other corner because that's such a big part of what Ryan Nielsen likes. Like yeah. The way he likes to run his defenses is having that extra corner. Um, so I think that's something we'll probably be paying a lot of attention to this next few days, the, a lot of corners. It's a, The good thing is it's a very deep corner draft. Yeah, there is. So yeah. uh, that's one positive. It also is a deep center free agency, interior free agency, and draft also. So I think we could maybe take a step back and be like, you could still address those. It's not like you draft a corner at 17 and you have no chance to get anything right. for your O-line. Yep. So I, th- I, still, I do still think that's a possibility, but – uh, I have a question for you, Tommy, because yep. <clears throat> when we get to this and we start talking about who we think should the, the positional needs and the positional value and who you think is most important when it comes to free agency and the draft and all of these questions, what position for you would you be, let's just say, like most upset about if they didn't address in the draft? In the draft? Mm-hmm. Oh, good question. Um I think it'd be foolish not to address corner in the draft. Mm-hmm. I think you're going to find a corner. Um, I think they should address address center. There's yeah. a couple more than just the kid out of Oregon. There's a kid out of Duke, a kid out of uh, West Virginia that's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so maybe it depends if you have a second round pick. Now you do have yeah. two fourths that are that's back true. to almost back to back. There's one in between. Mm-hmm. Can you get up there with – I don't know. We'll see what kind of magic they can work on well, draft day. But And that's um, where that Calvin thing comes in, Tommy, because if there is somebody that they feel like they absolutely can't – they need and they won't get if they don't have that second-round pick, does that alter what they do? 
It could, yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's think about that. You go from seventeen to what sixty something, yeah, right, or fifty something, right? So seventeen's middle of the round. Um, another thirty-two. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, and then add another that's a big half. Jump. Like, that's a big, <laughs> big dip. So you better fill it with free agency or try to move up in the draft. I think overall, if I could expand the question, just in in the off season. If you don't address defensive tackle, I think you're making a big mistake. If okay. you're going to tell me that you're going to go with the guys you have and maybe a late draft pick, I'm I'm look, it didn't work last year, so yeah. I don't think it's going to work this year. Give yeah. me excuses all you want, injuries, illness, whatever. I don't care. You have to address up front yeah. on the defensive mind. On the interior, you got the outside guys. You got Josh, you got Trayvon, they're going to be great together for a long time you gotta have some beef on the inside let's actually listen to that one rj because that was one of the things that trent talked about and uh one of the things that stuck out to me because an- another complaint that we've kind of have is not addressing that pass rush and you are very vocal at the end of the season of how much that interior affected other things that were happening on the defense other people were criticizing certain other players for missing tackles and doing things and tommy you were very vocal yeah. about how bad the interior was kind of messing up certain things that could have been yeah. even better on the outside so trent did talk about how did if they did enough last year when it comes to the pass rush that's you know everyone has an opinion on that you know i don't ever try to look back and say what if uh, there's there's things that we got to do better you know and it ultimately it falls on my shoulders you know to to make the right decisions make the right moves with obviously a lot of talk and discussion with coach and uh, we're very much on the same page uh, and, and work hard to be on the same page so you know we're going to continue to do the, do what we do I mean, look, they, they redid last – after 2022, right? They redid Devon Hamilton, the game, New Deal. They mm-hmm. redid Roy Robinson-Harris, game, a new deal. Yep. They restructured Foley to keep him here. They gave Godsis money to stay here. And other than Roy Robinson-Harris, none of them did anything. anything. So yeah. look back, look forward. I don't know. You're telling me that you went with them because of the way they played the year before, and they did play well down the stretch. Mm-hmm. But you, look, and and you can make it. Look, you could say Foley, like Fadakasi, not when he's not injured, he can be effective. Definitely. But he's injured, yeah. So you have to factor that in. Can I count on him? Yeah. Uh, Roy Robertson Harris is a good player. Yeah. He's a solid player. I don't want to see him go. But is he my he's being go-to, available as a part of this? <laughs> is he my go-to defensive lineman? No, yeah. he's not. Who is? Yeah. It's not Hamilton. Forget this camp talk. Yeah. I don't mean any disrespect, but. I don't care. I look, he looked good in camp. Our old line wasn't any good. So what does that even mean? Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, he and good now in, we're looking at that. He looked good in camp, but our old line stunk in yeah. the middle. We're looking to replace all three of them. So, yeah. so what does that even mean? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, and, and that's why and we've mentioned so many times about how the way they approached last season did not work. So they have to figure something out. You cannot be silent. You cannot get comfortable. And the thing, the difference is last season that they were coming out of a playoff win against the Chargers, and it was a close loss to the Chiefs in the in the postseason. So maybe that altered some things. But they got a they got a little comfortable, and yeah. because of that, they didn't address the pass rush. They didn't address a lot of things that you felt like they needed to in the off season. And I I keep pointing to. The Detroit Lions. The Detroit Lions, excuse me, did not make the postseason last year but had the same record as the Jags. But you know what they did? They came back 
11, it's an attitude. 10 or 11 of their guys were different. 10 or 11 of their starters were different between free agency and the draft, and they had the same record. The Jags yeah. came back with 21 of 22 starters. Yeah. We've seen that that uh, that before, though. Remember in uh, – well, you may not remember this, but in 07 we had a great year. In 08 we traded up for Derek Carvey, the stud D end out mm-hmm. of Florida. I thought he was going to be great, too. Uh, Quentin Groves, God rest his soul, the kid out of Auburn. We drafted him in the second round. We thought that's all we needed. Yeah. And we didn't do anything in 08. Yeah. You know, it wasn't terrible, but it wasn't that great. And then we saw it again this year, this past yeah. year. Like, oh, no, we're good. You're not good. No. You you were you you finished strong, yeah. but you, you can't be blinded by, you know, that me, success. Also, to me, if you need a miracle and you need, like, your division rival to lose every single one of their last games – to, and that's what happened that season yep. before. They needed, obviously, the Titans to lose every single game for them to get into the postseason. Then you're not quite there. There's obviously yep. some adjustments that need to be made. And uh, just real quick, we were talking about it. So round one, obviously, pick 17. Round two would be 48. And round three would be 79. So they'd go from pick 17 to 79 with this Calvin, picks. with deciding what they need to do with 62 Calvin. 62 picks. Yeah. Like if you're way that's too long time. Round, that's a long time. And granted, like, like things can happen. And you could trade up. I know. there would be. We would yeah. all need a nap in between rounds one and three. Um, And that's why, to me, that Calvin decision is so important because it's just a weird line right now of if you don't jump on it, you possibly lose him. But if you do, you lose that. Well, they're talking. And what they're doing right now, they're saying, all right, Cal, look, this is what you're probably going to get out there. This is what we're willing to offer you. Will you take it? And he may say yes. He may say no. I'm going to go for more. I want more. Yeah. And they go back and be like, okay, we can give you a little bit more. And he's going to say either, no, I want more than that, or yeah. I'm good. good. You yeah. know, you just don't know. And I can't – I'm never going to blame a player. I know a lot of fans out there are like, well, wouldn't he take no, – listen, my my game was cut on an injury. It was over. It was it. I never played again after I hurt my foot. And not, I'm not saying I would have been a big, big player, like money-wise, but I would have played a lot longer than I did. And uh, you got to get what you can get in this yeah. game because it's a cruel game and it can be over in a heartbeat. So yeah. if Calvin wants to get the be the top for whatever reason, he can get twenty five million a year mm-hmm. and go get it. Yeah. Good for you. Uh, if you can live with twenty one, <laughs> yeah. what's four million, Cal? Yeah, you know what I mean. Then stay here and let's see if we can do something yeah. special. It's going to come down to that. Well, and Tommy, we hear all the time the the GMs and the coaches say it's a business. It's a business. Yeah. Same, the players there will say the same thing. Yeah, it, right. It's a business, and this is their this. We talked about it being their lifestyle. It's their career. There's a lot of yeah. things that go into this. The money's too big. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's too big to to not. Get it. I wanted to ask you really Get quick yours. before we talk to Rick, because did you see the video of those guys jumping Cam Newton? I did. I, what What would be your response if two guys just came after you? I'm hitting them in the face. <laughs> he, he didn't even swing. He just no, kind of threw them around. I'm going right for their head. <laughs> I mean, you have to, so or they're not something. You got you to gotta do something in that regard. Why would you attack him like that? That's what I was. It, Why would you do first that? First of all, bad idea in general. But to me, that's just the this the age we live in where social media makes people feel like that, look seem way bigger than they are. First of all, three on one's not tough. <laughs> Two on one's not tough. Yeah. One on one. If you went up to a one on one and said, mm-hmm. "Hey, man, I want to you and me. Let's go around here. Nobody's gonna know." Tell your boys to stay away. I'll tell my let's go. That's tough. Yeah. But jumping them with two that ain't yeah. tough. That's 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 fake toughness. Fake tough, yeah. yeah. Keyboard toughness. Uh all right, let's say hello to Rick Ballou. Now, the two minute drill brought to you by Tire Outlet. Tire Outlet is now hiring. 
Visit tireoutlet.com slash careers. Equal opportunity employer. Rick Ballou, hello. Yeah, I mean, what you should do when the guy's bigger <laughs> is you always attack from behind. That's right. And, and usually, you know, Use a weapon. coming from experience. I always say with, with McManus, who I've known for 30 years, that if I was going to fight McManus, it would be on skates. Yeah. I know he's going to tell me he knew how to. Gr- he grew up skating in I Buffalo know all Grove and stuff. all that stuff. <laughs> I watched the Bob Pobert special. I know. I know how to get. You used down to hang with Lyndon Byers. I did. Oh stuff. yeah, man, that guy was a beast. He, he'd throw some punches. Man. Yo, doubt. Did you see that documentary on Probert? I, you know, I didn't I know did. he was a train wreck. I yeah. didn't know he had all those problems. He died Man. of a cocaine overdose. Yeah. And, um, Young, like 21. He got thrown out of the league for cocaine and But the way drinking. that they dressed that up, and you know, yeah. as, I mean, you've got to know as a former athlete, when when he flew and he was with Detroit then, not Chicago. Right. But to fly into New York and to know that he was going to fight Ty Dome. Yeah. You just can imagine what that the, does to your stomach and everything. No. When, when, when you know that you're going to go out no. there and, and this has to happen. Yeah. For both teams to set the tone for the game, yeah, I can't imagine what that must. be. How about the young kid from the Rangers, the six seven dude? Did you oh, yeah. see him? Oh yeah, and the the uh, I forget who he just fought, but right before, like they're warming up the stretch, and he's like, "We're gonna go, we're gonna go, yeah, we're gonna go." <laughs> right as the drop the gloves and off they went. Holy cow, that's, that was a, that's the that best, was a brawl. They don't fight now the way they used to. No, they but, don't. Yeah. They did that night. That kid, yeah, who is sure he? He's from Canada. He's like 21. Yeah. Burmese yeah. or something like yeah, that. Yeah, get his name. Those, Those are the about- moments you know, though, Rick, when there's certain players that you know, and they kind of have that conversation like, we're going tonight. You <laughs> right. know this. Like, we're yeah. fighting. <laughs> I mean, um, the guys you don't want you know, to mess with. <laughs> with your team, I saw you saw Patrick Kane came back yeah. the other night. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Detroit got the game winner. Ugh. And, of course, the 18-year-old Bedard, you know, missed some time with the, with the broken jaw. With the broken jaw yeah. and mm. uh, yeah, it's been it's been crazy. It's such a great sport. He's crazy. He yeah. has almost identical stats to Patrick Kane through forty four yeah. games so wow. far. Yeah. yeah, I've only had a chance to see him play a couple of times. He he yeah. he's just incredibly he's gifted. A, you yeah. two at the Sphere. I know that's what yeah. I was awesome. I need was to hear awesome? how was the Sphere. Was it? Yeah, oh it was the twenty ninth time I've seen him. Mean, I, I when I was in Chicago, I take weeks off. Yeah, and I think it was oh one and oh four when they came out with two albums, and I had a bunch of little girls running around, but. I would take a week vacation and see him like three times in yeah. in one week there at the United Center. But um, I loved it. It was it was really cool. It was a it was a, it was a decent experience. Um, the only disappointment for me is I'm a is a real old school fan. They didn't play one song off their first four albums. Oh, really? So they play the entire. They play the entire Unforgettable Octum Fire. Baby. No mm-hmm. Unforgettable They didn't play fire. anything off the Unforgettable Fire what? or War or Boy or October. Really? Yeah. So it was, you know, but. They were celebrating the 30 years of um, Octung Baby, so they, okay. they played that entire album. Heavy. And yep. then they mixed in some other real, really good ones. But, uh, I mean, that place out there was That's just cool. fantastic. Certain artists, it has to be so hard when you have a discography the way they do to really yeah. pick the songs. Because you know everybody in that building wants different yeah. songs at different oh, yeah. moments. The dad bots have that problem, too, every, <laughs> every time. We when are you guys stand? going back <laughs> out on tour? We just played Saturday. It was great out at Iggy's. At, uh, I, I love Iggy's. I love Iggy's. Iggy's is a great yeah. venue, man. We love it out there. I mean, I live in a bedroom community, but yeah. uh, we take the pilgrimage down Racetrack Road. Yeah, it's right band. there. There's Iggy's. Yeah. Yeah, indoors, right there. outdoors. We're playing there in April, 18, cool. 17, something like that. That'll we got to go. Day. We got to go, Rick. Let's do, Let's, Let's, go. Go. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right. Uh, crazy day today with yeah. Doug and Trent. What, what do you have coming up, You know, up, I Rick? learned, I thought I, I, I do. I think I learned a few things today. I don't know if it was um, a little bit of gamemanship, which mm-hmm. is expected when, you know, you're this close to free agency and, and the draft, but. 
you know, uh, Trent Baalke on physicality, Trent Baalke on Cam Robinson, Doug Peterson today on Press Taylor and Colin Plays. I, so I thought it was a really informative day, and uh, I'm going to enjoy talking about it here over the next couple hours. All right. Well, thank Beauty. you, Rick. Good seeing you guys and yeah, girls. Man. So that is up next. Thanks, everybody, uh, for tuning in. Taylor Dahl here, joined by Tom McManus. Tommy, thanks for hopping on with me tonight, kind yeah, of last fun. minute. Good so job. I appreciate it. Yeah, RJ man. Saunders. And uh, everybody have a great night. Rick Ballou on Into the Night up next.